reading from the book of Luke. And on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came down to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his words and returning from the tomb, they told all this to the eleven and all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves. Then he went home, amazed at what had happened. The Word of God for the world. No one expected the resurrection. No one expected the resurrection. Not one person said, y'all, just wait. What are you fretting about? He'll be walking around here in no time. Remember what he said? Not one person. Even the women who have come with their savory spices were prepared to find the dead Jesus and lovingly tend to it. But they found the stone rolled away. In this classic line, they were perplexed about this. Or in one translation, they wondered about that. Which, as Rod said, if I saw a stone rolled away, I'm not sure I would want to walk in. And then, of course, two men, as it says, gleaming like lightning, asking the most poignant question of the day, why do you look for the living among the dead? Will you say that with me? Why do you look for the living among the dead? No one expected resurrection. And then the women, after they were told that he had to die, be buried and raised again, they remembered, it says. And then they go back to tell the disciples. So they're going to get it, right? Well, <laughs> it says that they heard the women and called it an idle tale. Let me tell you, this is mild in comparison to what it says in the Greek. <laughs> Once again, English translation. 
The word is leros, L-E-R-O-S, which we get the word delirious. Not expecting the resurrection. Thinking the women are crazy. These women are nuts. They are delirious. And of course, Peter, he's going to get it, right? He runs to the tomb. He sees the linen wrappings, bends over, and he too wonders to himself, goes back home, not back to the disciples, goes back home. And what I imagine is having this sort of, hmm, that's interesting. Not expecting the resurrection. And it's no wonder the resurrection is challenging to believe. One of my favorite scholars, David Luce, he's the president of Lutheran Theological Seminary in Philadelphia. And he says this, Resurrection isn't simply a claim that Jesus' body was resuscitated. It's the claim that God entered the stage of human history in order to create an entirely new reality. Which, quite frankly, can be frightening. So Anna Carter Florence, who's one of my favorite preachers, then commented, If the dead don't stay dead, what can you count on? (laughs) Resurrection is crazy-making. It sees the rules and breaks them, which most of us would admit the rules aren't perfect, And as Luce says, at least we know the rules. They're predictable, a known quantity, and in the sense of known, comforting. But resurrection turns everything upside down. The truth is, though, we expect certain things to work in a certain order. If the sun rises in the east, what? What comes up? If something's dead? (laughs) But even more than this, grand notions of physics, we have preconceived notions of how day-to-day things should operate. If I work hard... I'll be rewarded. If I love my children and train them, oh no. (laughs) That's not right. In many ways, we see what we want to see. And unfortunately, most of us have heard this story so many times. Rod, thank you. We have forgot the element of surprise. We're just like, yeah, he died. He rose again. It's like we were pledging allegiance. He died and rose again, and we don't even think about it. And what I love, and and again, David Luce said this, if this story isn't just a little hard to believe, we're not taking it seriously enough. The resurrection 
should bolt us out from a deep slumber. And we should question every known quantity. Everything's been upturned. The old systems don't work anymore. Resurrection. The ultimate game changer. And here's the point. If you dare to let the resurrection take hold of you and do its mysterious work, everything will change. Everything will be seen in a new light. And those dead-like looking barnacles in our life will be seen for what they really are. Not really dead. It's funny. Today we were supposed to have a sunrise service at 7 a.m. at Jump Off Rock. And I knew enough from Herb because I was told the other day when I said, the sun's not out. And he said, oh, yes, it is. I expected to have a service up at Jump Off Rock at 7 a.m., but there was an email that was circulated at like 6 a.m. Maybe we should have it at First Congregational, which seemed to everybody a good idea. Of course, I was the naysayer and said, no, let's go to Jump Off Rock. After all, I had the two children up and ready to go. I get there to First Congregational and said, you know, at least one of us needs to go up there to see if anybody else showed up. Of course, I had a part to play in the service, but I said, you can, you can do my part. So I go up. Y'all, there were 30 or 40 people waiting to have a sunrise service. Sometimes what seems dead... What is foggy and rainy that there would be no life in it? And when I got back to the church, I checked my email, and one person had replied, let's have the service at the church. It's more practical. Resurrection isn't practical. We church people, myself, clergy are the worst, are all about being practical. And unfortunately, on a day like this, it takes these folks, many of whom are seekers, we say, coming because they're expecting something different from the ordinary, maybe hoping against hope that there is life when all they know is death. And that maybe in the shroud of fog and rain, in the morning of their own morning, that maybe they'll encounter life. Well, as delirious as I am, I said, well, let's have a service. Michael reminded me I had a a sermon (laughs) printed out. And so we had worship. We had no bulletin. I sang totally the wrong key. We didn't have 
what we needed, but we had everything we needed. It reminds me that sometimes what we're looking for is right where? Right in front of us. Because the question is not about what happened 2,000 years ago. But where is Jesus alive in 2016? You know, I've heard some people say, if we had seen Jesus alive, we would believe. You know, nobody saw Jesus rise from the dead, the actual rising. The women, though, saw the absence of a dead body, and they believed. Perhaps we are looking in the wrong place. For why do we look for the living? Or maybe more accurately, we're making the wrong assumptions when what we see is death is not really death. Like I've told you before how encountering molted cicada exoskeletons always brings me to the story of resurrection. Growing up in Texas, we saw these all the time. And quite often, and on a recent trip back, one spoke very loudly to me. I, at first, I thought it was a dead animal, only to realize that this exoskeleton, what looked dead, was just the home for new life to emerge. I needed that dead animal. I needed molten life. The other day, thinking, <laughs> I, was, I was squeezing a lime for a long time, being pretty cheap. I'm being cheap, and I was like, oh, I can just, I'll squeeze as much lime as I can to make this drink. And, um, Limeade, of course, and I realized <laughs> that you can only squeeze so much lime juice out of one lime before you realize you need another lime. But we keep squeezing and squeezing the same fruit expecting life to be in there. And we get more exhausted and more tired, and we do this with our theologies, squeezing and squeezing. And, and where is the life? As Kathleen Lambert said, that the question we're all avoiding, she said at the end of Free For All, our time of discussion is, where is the living? Where is the life? Where's the living Jesus in 2016? What does it matter if the resurrection is real, but we don't live resurrected lives, but walk around like the walking dead? At that point, it seems like our beliefs are a moot point. If we don't experience life, the living, the resurrected, 
Shouldn't we ask the question, where is the risen Jesus now? So just for fun, I asked Siri a question. Yes, my sermon preparation has reached an all-time low. And I said, what do you think about Jesus? It's nice of you to ask, Julie, but it really doesn't matter what I think. In a manner of speaking, she's exactly right. It doesn't matter so much what I think or you think. It's how does this living take hold of us and change us. The men thought Jesus was dead. The women thought they were going to find Jesus' dead body. And sometimes our thoughts are such that they get stuck in the same patterns and ruts And we would never find the living because we're always among the dead. At Herb, at Herb, at Free For All, or in Herb's mind, he said this in conversation around this text. If it's not reasonable, we cannot accept it. And this is why people are still dissecting this story today. And who knows, looking for the dead body of Jesus. This is anything but reasonable. But who wants to be called delirious, right? So here's my charge for us today, that we try something a little delirious, that we allow our theology, which simply means our thoughts about God, our beliefs, the constructs of our mind, to break open a little bit. Stop trying to be so reasonable, And needing certain places for each one of our questions. Sort of like going to the post office and having a place for each piece of mail. But rather recognize that our beliefs, our thoughts, are like square pegs when truth is a round hole. And no matter how we try to fit those square pegs into round holes, it will never Happen. We have to leave room for mystery to take us somewhere else than where we are. I know for me, when I allowed myself to lean in, even be a little scared of trying on a new way of believing and changing, when we started the process of discernment and shedding that which is not working. Aha! Living is found. 
On this Easter Sunday, friends, know that resurrection means nothing if it's just a set of beliefs uttered like the Nicene Creed. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again, indivisible. It has to mean something. It has to change us from the inside out, and we have to keep asking, where is the living Jesus now? What's enlivened me? What's maybe even a harder question, and one that Michelle raised a few weeks ago, What's dead in me? And what do I need to grieve? What needs to break open? What needs to shift? What's not working? Things are not always what they seem. Thanks be to God. I've told you this story. I'm just briefly say it again about being a sufferer of allergies, which, by the way, when I moved here, I thought, the mountain air, no allergies. I was wrong. <laughs> you lie. But anyway, well, I was in the allergist office, and there was this bronzed, gnarly-looking creature next to the couch, three-dimensional, in the waiting room. It, it was ugly and had these fangs and antenna-like forceps, and I thought, well, this is unusual for the typical doctor's office decor, but I'll go with it. And when I asked the receptionist, she told me, oh, that's a dust mite, and there are thousands in your bed. <laughs> I said, no, they're not. I've never seen one of them. She said, I know. They're alive. You just can't see them. Life is beyond what we can see and what we can hear and touch and taste. So how can we take the resurrection seriously? How can we see something in a different way? I want you today to force yourself to be in a position of surprise. Do something new. I want you to drive to whatever location you're going to after this in a new way. I want you to pick something new to eat. I want you to try letting go of one of your beliefs in question. Try believing something new. Try talking to a stranger. Try turning over a rock in your front or backyard and see what's living underneath it. If you typically go to an anger response, try laughing out loud. Just do it. Just go, ha, 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 Do that a few times. Sing a praise song. Honk your horn. If you're perfect, try being imperfect. Just today. If you're imperfect, try being perfect today. Talk to animals today and expect them to talk back to you. Because if you listen, they will.
Try being delirious like these women. And maybe even try look at something dead today and say, you're not dead. For I see with different eyes. I hear with different ears. I touch with different hands. That today of all days, the resurrection speaks to us, this life gaping wide, never-ending no to death, and healing hopes for all humanity invites us and says, if you look through my lens, you'll see life. You'll see life. Do you hear it? The cosmos, remember, it's not that Jesus was resurrect, resuscitated only. It was the whole new cosmic Upturn, a new reality change that sin and death are no more. And the cosmos, do you hear it? Is humming a new song today, a living one. So may we go through not just this day, but the days. Moving forward, asking, Jesus, where are you alive in this moment, in this week, in this 2016? And may you hear the words again of these two say, Why are you looking for the living among the dead? For resurrection, if you take it seriously, means that everything must change. Do you hear it? Do you see it? Do you smell it? It's life. Life for the taking. Thanks be to God. Amen.